Welcome to The Good Mood Show. This is the show where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. You know, sometimes life can feel totally boring. You know, each day can just kind of blend into the next. Have you ever felt like you were living in that movie Groundhog Day? You know, the one where he wakes up on the exact same day and does the exact same thing? I sure have. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm in that movie. I wake up, I do my same boring morning routine. I go to my same blender and make the same boring black breakfast smoothie. I go into the office on the same route that I drive every day. I do the same things at work. I eat the same kind of lunch. I drive home. I help my wife make one of the five dinners that we typically make. We do the same bedtime routine with the kids. And then we watch kind of the same bad TV show and fall asleep and then wake up the next day and do it all over again. And if you've ever felt like your life is a little bit of a rut too, then you really need to lean into today's episode. Today, we are going to learn from the expert at helping people get out of the grind and into a life of passion. Our guest today is John Miles. He's been recognized as one of the top 100 leaders. He's an author of the book, Passion Struck, which is a framework which will help you unlock your purpose and ignite your most intentional life. John, welcome to The Good Mood Show. Matt, thank you so much for having me and congratulations on such a terrific show. I just was listening the other day to one of your episodes with James, I think his last name was Swanick, and it had to deal with um, alcohol consumption and the benefits of reducing it, which I found to be a pretty interesting discussion you had with them. So congrats on the guests that you're bringing on. Hey, I appreciate it. And I'm really excited about talking with you here today too. You know, you have your own podcast, Passion Struck. It's one of the top 0.1% podcasts in the world. I know you're a keynote speaker and you've had a lot of success in your life, but, you know, back to this idea that life can get boring. I know from your story that at one point in time, you were a C-suite exec and, you might've felt like you were in a rut. So something I want people to understand as they're listening to this is it, it, you don't have to be CEO of a company or a professional athlete or like I was a a C-suite executive to feel like you're out of place. In fact, people look at those people and they think they've got it all figured out. Everything is going immensely well for them. But what I've discovered is that these people are sometimes the most miserable people that there are because their life is taken on a completely different trajectory in the most important way than they ever expected. And that is they have lost what it means to feel significant in their lives. And that's exactly what transpired for me is I had all these great accolades that anyone could ever want. uh, And at the end of the day, they were really all meaningless because what truly mattered was not how I was showing up for other people, but it was how I was showing up for myself and how I wanted to be around other people and the person I wanted to be for other people. And so what I found I was doing is it was like I was going to a masquerade and throughout each day I was putting on a mask 
and pretending to be living this life that wasn't truly authentic, my, authentically mine. And I think so many of us uh, go through our days like this, where we, as you were expressing, we get into this routine of doing the same choices, the same activities, the same habits that we're accustomed to, and we fall into this zone of comfort that Carol Dweck often talks about. Um, and we just, instead of breaking three, free, we just exist there. So I think it is a pl- problem that's plaguing millions and millions of people around the world. It has plagued me at multiple times in my life at different times. So I'm reading the book, 10X is easier than 2X. And I just saw uh, Linda and Jim McKissick uh, speak on stage a couple weeks ago, and they were featured in this book. And they were telling their story about how they would, uh, you know, at first they got to a certain level and then they got stuck. And so they decided that they needed to 10X and they get to another level. And it was a a 10X level beyond where they just were. But then that also turned into a rut and they got stuck. And then so they needed to break free again and get to another level. Well, I've, I've been through many iterations of that in my life. And I know that everyone has. That it doesn't matter if this life that you're living right now was once a dream of yours because it probably was but there's probably another dream in your heart now that you're here and we have to break through to the next dream in order to really feel passionate in our life again. Uh, You know, I've been facing that myself. You know, I, I, of every dream I ever had when I was a child about who I would become and what I would do, I surpassed them. And then I would get into this rut where I'm like, well, I'm making good money. I'm I'm providing for my family. You know, I've got good friends. I got great relationships, but it did kind of feel like a zombie life where I'm just going through the motions because I was no longer passionate about what I was doing. I think so many people can relate to what you're just saying. And I do want to give a shout out to uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who's one of my favorite authors. Uh, he's been on my my show and I was actually going to interview him face to face here in Tampa to launch his new book. And unfortunately, he had to cancel two days before we were going to do it. But uh, as I was talking to him about it, he thinks that that is his favorite book. My my favorite book of his is The Gap Versus the Gain. But all, all his books are profoundly interesting. But to go back to your what you were just talking about, it is so easy to fall into this trap because it's like many successful companies. I remember as I was going through my MBA, I had this class And the instructor asked us to review the Fortune 50 from 1970 compared to where it was today. And it was amazing. Only 25, 30% of the companies that were on the Fortune 500 list in 1970, decades later, were still on the list. And what ends up happening to those companies? Well, some get acquired, but most of them just faded away. And why do they fade away? Well, they fade away because they lose their passion as a company. They lose their direction. They lose solving that unique problem that that company was created to solve. And just as those companies went by the wayside, the same thing happens in our own lives, except when it occurs to us personally, we don't go by the wayside. Although I do think that this is leading people, unfortunately, to commit suicide, but it does cause people to feel emotions like I was feeling. I was depressed. I 
felt numb. I felt like I was an imposter in my own skin. I felt like I didn't know what mattered anymore to me. I didn't know why I was getting up to do the things I, I was doing. And even though I was in this whole high profile job interacting with high profile people, I was absolutely bored out of my mind because it had just become, I call it, uh, it had just been a profile of different jobs that I kept doing, moving to the next, um, doing something that I thought I should be doing, but not something that I truly loved, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I can relate. And yet there's all these obligations, you know, so we feel kind of obligated to keep doing it because there's people that are counting on us. I'm sure there were people in, in your business that were counting on you. There's people in our families that are counting on us to keep showing up and keep playing that role. But what do we do when we find ourselves in that rut where we just know that part of us is dying inside because we're no longer passionate about what we're doing? What, what do we do when we, when we wake up and realize that? And I remember Steve Jobs giving his keynote to Stanford and he had cancer at the time. And he said, knowing I'm going to die soon is such an important driver in all of my decisions. If I wake up and look in the mirror and don't like what I'm doing for three days in a row, I change what I'm doing. And he did, he only gave himself three days, right? But I could stay stuck doing the same thing I don't like to do for six months, a year, two years, maybe even a decade. How, once we realize that we're stuck, what do we need to do? So I think being stuck is akin to someone who's faced trauma, whether it's big T trauma or little T trauma or any serious adversity in their lives. And I think there are two ways that you can attack it. You can do like many people do, including myself, and try to avoid the pain and the feelings and the emotions that come with it. Or you can do, as in Top Gun, they recommended to Maverick and get back in the cockpit as quickly as possible to help you overcome it. And I think the same thing here applies when we're talking about this topic. I think so often we end up trying to avoid it. And by avoiding it, we become an arson to our own life. We, I, I call this the visionary arsonist. We end up starting to put a flame all the things that we had hoped to aspire to 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 fulfill our life and they go by the wayside because of the actions that we start taking and so i think once you've realized that you're there the most important and hardest thing to do is to take that first inst intentional action to change to do something that starts moving you in a different direction. And I think where people overcomplicate this is that they think it has to be something huge. Um, that has to be something momentous that makes this change. And I find that all it could be is shifting one choice that you're making throughout the day uh, or one activity you do at night. I mean, it could be as simple as Instead of watching that television program that you've been accustomed to watching, maybe shift it into reading more books on ways to pull yourself um, out of the way that you're feeling. And just that one action alone, if you keep it, if you form it into a habit, can start you down a path of going in a new direction. 
I love that. And, uh, and I would fall asleep a lot faster. Anytime I try to read at night, it's instant. It's like, it's like better than melatonin for me. Uh, and something that has sparked my passion recently in this season of my life was, um, you know, setting goals. I went into anytime I can, I can do some type of a goal setting workshop. It it's always a good use of my time. So, um, I did a goal setting workshop in like the last 30 days. And, uh, all of a sudden I, I decided that, okay, man, I, I'm going to get really strong. So I, I just, I set a goal that I was going to increase my physical strength. So a small action, I signed back up for the gym that I used to go to as I, I've been working out of my house, you know, this, it has been good. I've been working out of my house for a few years and I've got a nice gym in my house, but I decided to go back to a gym and I hired a personal trainer one of the days of the week, just to learn some new things. Well, that little tiny shift, like you're saying, if I could just shift just maybe one thing in my life, well, now I'm going to the gym three mornings a week out of the, you know, I still work out at the house sometimes and play basketball. And, but this personal trainers teaching me new things and I've changed my diet because of the relationship that I have. I'm starting to eat more protein powder. Well, and that put me on a path that, Hey, I'm going to get my, all uh, my whole health checked out. So I got this big health day plan where I'm doing seven hours of all these different readings. Well, that one area of my life now, I'm like looking to go 10 X in that area and get super, super good at health. But how we do one thing is how we do everything. So now, because I'm passionate about getting my health better than it's ever been, the rest of my life, it seems like to bleed over and I want to be like better at everything. I want to be a better parent, a better at work, better at uh, my podcast. It's, it's really fun when we can catch fire like that, like you say, in passion struck. Oh, it absolutely is, Matt. And I think what we don't put enough weight on is that making a change in one area of our life can, as you alluded to, have compounding effects in multiple areas of our life. And I think what too many of us end up doing is we live our lives as if we're on a kitchen stool that has one support. And for each of us, that one support can be many things. For me, it was the constant grind. But a fundamental shift that I made is I started to view my life as that kitchen stool with multiple pillars underneath it. And, and by doing so, I started to look at in order to fulfill this stool and to make it sturdy, I have to work on my physical health. I have to work on my mental health. I have to work on my emotional health. I have to work on my spiritual health. I have to work on my relationship health. And all those things, when they come together, 10X me, like you were saying, when it came to my career, because they're all interrelated. If you feel out of touch with who you are at work, I guarantee it's bleeding over into other areas of your life. And the most important one it's impacting is your relationship and your overall health, because I guarantee you, you're not as motivated in those other areas, um, regardless of what pillar that is that's suffering. But the importance of viewing this stool like this is that it allows you to catch those things quicker once you start implementing this. So if one of the pillars starts you know, having ripples in it, it's easier to catch it and support it with the other pillars until you can bring it back up to where it was. And I think that's a really important analogy for people to take with them. 
I, so one of my, one of the first books that really changed my life was The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And as you were just talking about this stool with all these legs uh, and making one small change that can really have a ripple and, and change everything. Uh, he gives an example of three guys. And he said, and he gave them all a name, you know, like Steve, Bob, and Joe. And he said, Steve decides that he's going to do something small. He's going to build a bar and get a kegerator for his, for his garage. You know, he wants to have a bar in his garage and a place for his buddies to hang out, connect, you know, all the people from the neighborhood can come over and he's going to have their favorite beer on tap in the, in the garage. So not a big investment, just a little investment. He's going to spend maybe three, $4,000 to, to create this. And he's going to have this great place for people to hang out. He said, Joe, on the other hand, decided he was going to spend the same amount of money and invest in a gym membership. And Bob is just doing the same thing he ever did. And he said, if we compound that one decision that Steve made to put the bar in and the kegerator over the course of 10 years, he's probably put on 50 pounds, which has reduced his self-confidence, which has reduced his confidence in his marriage, which has reduced his confidence at work. And that one decision has now spiraled into uh, more groggy mornings, less pep with his kids, strained relationships in all phases, right? And he said, now think about Steve who decided to put that money into getting a gym membership. He's now feeling more fit, more energized. He's uh, feeling sexier. His marriage is more passionate. And because of all this confidence, he's showing up to work with new enthusiasm. He's showing up to his kids' sports, not dragging around, but actually excited to coach them. He said his life is infinitely better. And then Bob's just the baseline. And so it just showed this, how in 10 years time, the gap of one small decision compounded over time could really make a massive difference. And uh, you know, it's, it sounds like it, if we could just spark it with just this one decision, stop watching so much TV, start reading books that could change your life, that we could literally change our lives. I'll tell you, for me, one of the most important decisions I made was to start a different morning routine. I always like to work out first thing in the morning, but I was kind of doing it, but kind of in a not giving my 100% to it. I, it had this whole routine had become kind of dull to me. Uh, similar to what you were talking about working out at home, which is what I ended up doing. And so I was working up, waking up maybe a half an hour before the kids got up. And so I would do the workout and then get them ready for school, et cetera. But I really shifted to start getting up an hour and a half to two hours earlier than they got up because what I can't, Came to the conclusion of is as I was going to work and getting in my busy day and then coming home and being with family and everything else, I had no time for myself. And I had to build that time in. And maybe you're a nocturnal person, so it's easier for you to do it at night. But for me, getting up every day at 5 a.m. and doing a mindfulness routine, getting exercise in, journaling, I read every single day during that time. But most importantly, setting my intentions for the day and doing a gratitude practice has completely over time shifted uh, everything for me. And 
it's not easy when you first do it. Waking up at five o'clock was not fun, uh, but I got into a habit of doing it. It did mean I had to cut some things out. I don't go out as late as I used to on the weekends, things like that. But uh, looking back, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. I so love that. And I adopted the same thing, you know, very similar routine uh, after I read the book, The Miracle Morning, you know, probably eight years ago and have, have stuck with it. But even that can get into a rut. Like I was saying, is it, yeah, gratitude practice, meditation, prayer, drinking, you know, hydration, all the things I was doing and journaling. Uh, and so sometimes even though I was, I was doing the things that had worked for me five or six years ago, I had to shake that up and find a new way to innovate and get, get passionate. One thing you mentioned was being very intentional and setting your intentions for the day. Uh, I know one of the things that you, that you talk about is how we, you, your intention is like a muscle. It gets stronger with use. Can you talk a little bit about how being intentional is really making a difference? I just happened to do a solo episode on this uh, the week before we're doing this interview. And I term it the synergy between passion, perseverance, and intentionality. And the reason I really started looking at this is I'm a huge fan of Angela Duckworth's work. If anyone's familiar with her book, Grit, she starts out by studying uh, cadets at West Point. Specifically, she's looking at their leave summers and trying to figure out why some made it, some did not. And they've actually continued that work. And in 2019, a more extensive report came out where they analyzed 11,000 uh, West Point cadets over the entire four years. And what they found was that grit and physical ability played a bigger role than our cognitive ability. So I, I started thinking about that. I mean, you could be the smartest person in the world, but it's not going to get you through what the challenges were. And I happened to go to the Naval Academy. So about the time that study came through, I was reading it and really thinking about the situation and thinking about it from a firsthand standpoint. And although I have to say that passion and perseverance, which make up grit, were extremely important because your passion is going to fuel your perseverance. And when you persevere more, it's going to make you more passionate about what you're doing. To me, that's great. But you can have all the grit in the world. But what if you're applying it to the wrong things in your life? Yes. And to me, this is where intentionality really comes in, because if you really have big aspirations, big goals that you want to achieve, they're typically aligned with your core values. They're typically aligned with the person you want to become, going back to Benjamin Hardy, your future self. How can you possibly have grit? and not align it with where you want to go. And this is where intentionality fits in. And so to me, the secret is how do you start utilizing these three in conjunction? And I believe if you learn how to do it, as I mentioned, passion will fuel your perseverance. Your perseverance will make you more passionate, but your intentionality will guide both in the direction that you want to take your life. And to me, that is a core essence of then becoming self-realized 
is mastering the ability to do those three things. And I think they all work in conjunction. But to me, intentionality is the missing ingredient that so many people leave out. Yes, I totally agree. And to be and to get that level of intentionality, for me, I need the time. I need the that time, that morning time, because it's that time of meditation and prayer and time with my journal and myself that I am open to figuring out what do I actually want to do. It's when I get all of these insights. I remember um, at a. There's there's a guy that wrote the the road less stupid. His name's Keith. I can't remember his last name right now. Uh, I saw him speak a few uh, a long time ago, and and he said, you know, if you really want to become successful, you have to put a calendar appointment on your calendar to think. And so he called it thinking time, and he had blocks of time on his calendar called thinking time, and that's what you're able to do every morning when you wake up at five is create this intentionality. Otherwise, if we don't have time to think and ponder and uh, and explore what's on our hearts, we will just stay in the grind. We could have a lot of grit, like you said. Could be super, we could have a lot of perseverance. We could grind out a lot of work. We might even be making a good amount of money and doing a lot of good for the world, but it might not be what our heart's really calling us to do. Um, so there's a fourth ingredient I think that's called for if we do have intentionality, and that's courage. And I know you talk about this in your book, but it, sometimes what we're doing isn't in alignment with where we're meant to go as our future self, and it takes a lot of courage to do something new. In order to properly represent this, um, Passion Struck is based on something that I call the Passion Struck model. And if you want to picture this in your mind, um, if you're not watching this, think of two circles at the top, almost like ears on a mouse. And one of those is mindset and another is behavior. And then imagine a circle that joins the two of them at the bottom, and that's action. So those three elements make up the core of my book. It's about how you can make mindset shifts and behavior shifts, but you can't do them unless you're taking deliberate action is what I call. And then underneath it, your passion drives that mindset, which in turn drives your perseverance, which helps you through the behavioral shifts you need to make, which through intention, drives the deliberate actions that you're going to take. So to take this one step further, underneath that, I kind of lay in the four stoic virtues. So there's wisdom, values, self-mastery, and courage. I don't use all four of their names that they used back when they were created. I've used uh, self-mastery and values uh, to bring this more into the modern times. But where courage really takes place is, to me, it's the linchpin of action. It equips us to confront our fears and embrace our true potential. It's courage is the acknowledgments that our dreams and purpose far outweigh our fears and perceived limitations. And that's, to me, why it so profoundly impacts the actions that we take along that path to 
having the mindset shifts and behavior shifts that we want to make in our lives. So how do we grow it? How do we grow? How do we, I know you, we talked about mindset. One way we can do that is, is reading great books or having great relationships, but how do we grow this courage to change our behavior and take these actions? So before we came on the show, you asked me, like, what are the keys to creating one of the top 100 podcasts in the world today? And I could talk about a lot of different things in there, but if I would boil down one of the most important ingredients, it's consistency. It's being consistent in when you're delivering, when you say you're going to deliver. It's being consistent in the quality. It's being consistent in the level of guests you're bringing on. But it's also being consistent in how you show up to each one of those episodes. And the same thing applies to courage. So I will just give a personal example. I am getting ready to go back on the keynote circuit, and it's not something that I have done a ton of in recent years because of COVID and other things and putting all my focus on uh, the, the podcast. So to me, it's kind of frank, frankly terrifying to have to go out there again and get on the circuit, uh, especially to the audiences that I was once speaking to when I was a senior executive, which at times were 40 or 50,000 people. And wow. the biggest difference for me now is yeah, I keynoted Dreamforce from Salesforce and Oracle World and a bunch of others. But uh, to me, it when I think back upon those times, what made those experiences successful is I had deliberately trained myself that when I got there on the stage, I was almost a different person serving the audience with the content that I was doing. And so I found myself in this place where I was thinking about myself as Minnie Mouse instead of the rock. And it's like, how do you, how do you transcend that? And so some of the actions that I took to build courage was the first thing I did is I decided to join an improv class because I thought if I'm going to put myself out there what better way to do it than through improv and being completely uncomfortable. Uh, but, and I found it really challenging at first, the first couple of classes I went to, we were asked to do these activities. And the first one on the first day, um, I have to do a staring contest for what seemed like 10 minutes with this young lady where we're not allowed to talk. We have to stare in each other's eyes, completely uncomfortable, but, going through this and many other activities that they put us through, it really loosens you up to the idea that uh, so many of us don't practice adult fun and it's so important. And then that one step that I took of, of going to improv led me to seek a speaking coach to help me uh, perfect the way that I was approaching it. It led me to then reading Jim Quick's book or rereading it, Limitless, because uh, in there he has a great section of how you memorize the path to what you're going to speak about, which was powerful. And it then led me back to doing Toastmasters and to start putting myself in a community uh, where it's all about uh, learning to be uncomfortable and and speaking. And so it all gets back to taking action. If you want to pursue the dream. You have to take the actions in order to pursue it. Your story is beautiful. 
And it's, and I think every single person can relate to what you said. And it goes back to how we started the show. You said you could make one small change. And so, yeah, you're afraid to get up on stage in front of 50,000 people who wouldn't be, right? Uh, you've done it before. So I'm sure it takes a little bit less courage than it did, but at, at the same time, it's going to be intimidating for anyone to get back up on a stage of that magnitude. But what you said is you took a step of action. It sounds like the answer to this question of how do we grow our courage, courage is grown by one small step of action at a time because you went from the improv class to then growing up the confidence to invest in yourself in, in, a, in a coach and then to doing Toastmaster speeches. And then I, I know that you're on one of the biggest uh, public speaking circuits there are. And so each step then is bigger and bigger and bigger, but you're growing your courage through action. Uh, and usually what we find is when we take these actions, it's not as bad as we thought. You know, the, the big Hollywood star is actually pretty kind. The people at the gym that we thought were going to be uh, unsupportive or giving us weird looks are usually pretty helpful. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful explanation. And, you know, uh, this has been an incredible topic. I, I know that there will be another rut that I run into in my life. And it's going to be something I'm going to want to lean back into on how to get passion struck. And there's going to be people that want to learn more from you, to get the book, to hear you speak. How can people get in touch with you? So, Matt, there are a number of ways to do it. Uh, if they're interested in learning deeply, not only about in behavior change, but about the science and really the core actions that you can take to change your life, I would tell them to tune into the Passion Start podcast, because what I try to do is curate it really around the lens of how do you take intentional actions to make your life the most fulfilling it can be so that you're leading a life of significance and that would be one step. Another thing would be to go passionstruck.com, um, where you can learn all things passionstruck. And if you're interested on where you sit on this whole passionstruck continuum, I've actually created a quiz that goes everything from the first phase that I call a subsister to the highest stage, which I refer to as a creative amplifier. And you can find that on the book page. Uh, so passionstruck.com slash passion struck book. And you can take that 20 question test and it will give you a great answer. And um, you can purchase the books anywhere that you purchase books. It comes out February 6th and you can find me on all the socials at John R. Miles. John, thank you so much for bringing the passion and the energy into this conversation. Thank you for being an inspiration to all of us, facing your fears and going after it in a big way. I know you're going to be so successful. And guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. See you next week. Same time, same place.